This is a conversation that I fully and completely believe in and plan to have with you guys far more often. On today's episode with Sarah Bragg, author of A Mother's Guide to Raising Herself, we discuss the importance of not losing yourselves within your motherhood, but rather growing into yourself. Jesus prunes us as we raise our little ones. He grows us just as much as we work to raise our little ones up well during our time together. But the question I want to challenge you all with today is, are you willing to be sanctified in your motherhood? Are you willing to fight for your own mental health and sanity rather than giving up and giving in? Sarah and I are honest and vulnerable in this conversation as we discuss how it's never too late to change your parenting style and how I'm navigating that in my own life right now, how to care for yourself in moments of exhaustion and defeat, why showing up on the days when you're burnt out is more than enough, and how to deal with pressure from family members when they tell you how to raise your own children, among many other things. It is an amazing conversation, a raw and vulnerable and honest conversation, and I hope you love it as much as I do. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to check out episode 21, Nine Ways to Create a God-Honoring and Memorable Life for Your Kids, and episode 26, Overcoming Mom Guilt and Raising Godly Children with Jenny Lesko. Let's jump into today's episode. We were never promised that life would be easy, but when we do it together, it becomes much easier. I genuinely believe that we have to be intentional about creating a joyful life. I believe in happy parenting, healthy marriages, long-lasting friendships, and making perfect memories in imperfect homes. But those things require deep, holy heart work. I am passionate when it comes to sharing vulnerably about the things that people are not always comfortable discussing, and I am passionate about sharing practical wisdom that has helped me to help you navigate through life less stressfully and more purposefully. On the Living Easy Podcast, you'll hear honest insight with a biblical foundation to help you become best friends with your spouse again, to love your motherhood so much that you don't need wine or even coffee to get through the day and to find hope in the very real trials and pain that we face moment to moment. I want to challenge you every Monday to live life with purpose, to choose joy, and to honor God with all that you do. Are you ready to fight hard for that sweet, abundant life? If so, I would love to do it together. So grab a cup of coffee and join me every Monday. I'm Lindsay Maestas, and this is the Living Easy Podcast. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Living Easy Podcast. This is Lindsay, and today I am on with author and guest Sarah Bragg. Sarah is the author of A Mother's Guide to Raising Herself. Thank you so much for being here, Sarah. I'm honored to have you. I'm just so happy to be with you today. Sarah and I were talking and she had, right before we started recording, and she had an early morning interview. I mean, I'm sorry. (laughs) She had an early morning training session and now we're on an interview. Tell me, were you doing cardio or weights or what are you focusing on? The strength training. So I turned 43 this year, but turning 42, I feel like 
you know, everybody said like, oh, when you turn 40, like da, 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 da. Well, I didn't have any trouble turning 40. Like I was like, oh, I'm doing pretty great. Like I look pretty awesome still. Yeah. <laughs> and then I turned 42 and I was like, oh, mm, things are really different and yeah. <laughs> harder to like, you know, like that COVID-19 that I put on, you know, it was just, so anyway, so I was like, I think I need some like intentional work. So I've been doing strength training and I don't like strength training. I would rather like go for a walk or, you know, I don't know, play a game, but it is kicking my tail. And that's really what I signed up for. Yes. It's the good and you know, the hard, it sucks, but it always feels so good the next day. I am the opposite. Like I did after I had both my boys, I have two young boys. And after I had both of them, I did really high intensity workouts and it was only 30 minutes a day, but it destroyed me because it was like, 10 burpees and then 10 push-ups and then 10 jumping jacks and just like a lot. And so now I feel like I'm traumatized by that, which it did its job. <laughs> I was in better shape than I've ever been in my life, but now I am traumatized and I will barely run like half a mile without giving up. And so now I do a lot of weights because it doesn't seem to take as much energy. So I don't know about you, but those times in my life where I was literally like killing it, like what you described yourself as, then I have a hard time. I'll judge myself based on my like previous self. Like, you know, I'm not necessarily comparing myself to like my trainer. I'm like comparing myself to the 27 year old Sarah or the 32 or the 37 year old Sarah who like killed it at this one thing. And you're like, oh, can we just like give it a rest? Like just accept where you are. And like, hey, that was great for a season. But now I just need to do this workout and it's good. It's where we are today. Absolutely. Well, that actually is a really good transition into what I want to talk about with you today because I feel like as mamas, as women, we are not only pressured by the world and the standards of motherhood and how to be a great mom, how to be a Pinterest mom, how to do all of the things but we are also putting that same pressure on ourselves at for our own bodies of how we appear and how we live and how we maintain our homes. And so I speak with so many women, not only on the Living Easy podcast, but just through all platforms who are so exhausted by motherhood and they don't feel human anymore. I always use that term because that was what I said when I had my first son. My parents would come over at like 10 a.m. and I would just say, I'm not human until 12. I am. I had a newborn at the time, but I'm like, I just can't get it together. I feel exhausted. And then after a year of having my first son, I was like, oh, I'm starting to actually kind of feel like myself again. And when I look back to that time, it just gives me so much compassion for moms because it is such a transition. So for the women who are, you know, missing their old selves and their old lives, I'm just really excited for this conversation as a whole. And so I'd love to hear a little bit about your story and how becoming a mom impacted you, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Oh my goodness. You are definitely hitting the nail on the head with what we all feel. And not to mention just like nursing. I'm like, I don't even know that I'm human anymore. What is happening? This feels... I felt like a moo cow. Yes, it's the most (laughs) natural, unnatural thing. Like it didn't feel natural to me, but I knew it was the natural thing to do. So becoming a mom for me, it was interesting. So I became a mom... Let's see, I had my daughter and then six weeks later turned 30. So I was right around such a, you know, interesting season of life and had been in my career for a while. And just, I think I would categorize the decade before having my daughter as just like kind of confident. 
Like, yes, there were rocky moments and yes, there were moments of being unsure of yourself. But for the most part, it was like, oh, do you want to like move to California? Sure. Why not? Like you're, you know, 22. Why not go and do that? Or do you want to pursue this kind of dream? Sure. Why not? Like there was just not as much at stake. And so I think I just walked into motherhood feeling pretty good going, yeah, I mean, like I raised baby dolls when I was a kid. It was not hard. Like, you know, I did great. (laughs) I had a dog. You had a dog. Right. So it's like, you know, like kids, animals, everybody seemed to like me. It was fine. Like this can't be that hard. And I just was thrown upside down and, you know, had Sinclair and it was a rough birth, like emergency C-section. Like she had the umbilical cord wrapped around her neck and chewing on it. And I'm like, you were cutting off the very life that I was trying to give you. Like, and some things honestly have not changed. She's 13, still going to try to, you know, cut off the life I'm trying to give her. (laughs) And so everything about it was just hard. Like, you know, I tried to nurse her and she was only wanted to be nursed in one way. She wanted to like, you know, sleep a certain way. You know, I tried to swaddle her and somehow she was like a ninja and would like bust out of it. I'm like, what is happening? Screamed all the time, you know, all the things like she was like a genuine pterodactyl at this point. (laughs) And it was just so hard and I was still trying to work, but then like, you're just left with this like feeling of like, gosh, I was just handed this kid and how could I leave this kid? Like, I love her so much and I just want to be with her. I don't want to miss anything. I feel like I'm the best one to give her all these things. But I also like work and not only do we need to work, but I enjoy what I do. And oh, it was just, I just remember those years being so like overwhelming. The amount of like gymnastics that my brain was doing during that time, like, it's no wonder that we're just so exhausted as moms, you know, like tracking their like schedule, their sleep schedule and their feeding schedule and all the things. And just, I remember reading a million parenting books, like when she was like three months old, I'm like, girlfriend's not even doing anything. Like, you know, and like, I'm reading about how to like discipline your child or something. I'm like, she's not doing anything, but I just remember being so like, I got to know it all. Like, give me all the information because I got to come up with a strategy because, like, we've got to, like, we can do this. You know, that that confidence was still trying to, like, cut in and thinking that there's got to be, like, A plus B, like, equal C. Like, there's some formula to parenting that if I just figure it out, it'll all be okay. Like, I'll solve all of her problems, you know, like, her humanness. Like, oh, she's crying. Like, let me solve. You know, it's just like you think that you can solve, like, oh, she's just human and she's tired or she's hungry or she's sad. Like these are normal things. But in my mind, it was like, oh, this is a problem to be solved. And I just, those years were just so hard. And then you add in, you know, another one into the mix and then you potty training. I mean, for the love, like I never want to potty train ever again (laughs) in my life. Like My four-year-old was like fully potty trained. And then we just recently moved And he has been having so many accidents. And I know it's the transition, but it is one of those things where it's like, come on, we know you know how. And so it feels even more exhausting than when he didn't know how. Because we're like, we know you know, like when it's time, because you did it for a year. (laughs) So can we get back there? That is worse. That is worse. That's painful. Yeah. Well, and that's what I just like, you know, all you moms out there, like potty training, like, just stop looking left or right. Like just keep your eyes forward because no kid is the same. I mean, my oldest, she did not get fully 
potty trained until she was five. My girlfriend was like, I'm not doing that. Like, and I couldn't make her. It was like a glimpse into raising teenagers because I could not make her do this, you know? I love that you mention a problem to be solved because I think that that is something that maybe is a very large lie that we believe from the enemy is that everything in our motherhood, even within our bodies, is this problem to be solved. Because I know I can speak from experience with nursing. I had an oversupply. So when I say I felt like a moo cow, I really felt like a moo cow because I had so much milk. I had like 190 ounces stored in my freezer. And then I was pumping, which I know is not a bad problem to have for most women because some women cannot pump enough, which was a family member. I was able to donate milk. But while she was struggling to not produce, I couldn't even nurse Sutton because my letdown was so heavy, which I didn't know at the time because I hadn't been taught to like pump a little bit beforehand. So he was like drowning in milk. My milk is like spraying across the room. And I, (laughs) I am like, I can't control this. And I'm just wanting to fix it all because it feels like this is so foreign to me. This is so, I mean, all of it is so bizarre. I just want to be like that mom who just has it all together. And then the other moms are saying the same thing. And then my body is this problem to be solved. And I want it to look how it did. Though I grew a human for nine months, I'm only giving myself, you know, nine days to why don't I look like myself anymore? You know, why am I not down 50 pounds? So all of it, I think, is this idea that it's a problem to be solved in it and the behavior and the why isn't my child sleeping well? It is a a newborn baby. And now I have toddlers and I have the same questions where I'm, Jesse and I, my husband, we go back and forth with like, gosh, why don't they just listen? Or why don't they just stop obeying? And rather than seeing it as a journey, we kind of look at it as this destination and have to sit back and say, Lord, we know you're pruning us. You're sanctifying us just as much as you're pruning and sanctifying them. And so going into that, I know that, these lies fill our heads. And I just want to encourage you mamas out there who have new babies or young children because it is it is a, a challenging season. But I don't know, and Sarah, maybe you can say, but I don't know any other role really that is filled with as much guilt or shame or regret as motherhood that we place upon ourselves. And so I would love for you um, to speak to the mom who feels this right now, who is feeling inadequate and just does not know how to balance it all and doesn't feel like her life will ever be the same. Yeah, I think the fact that motherhood carries so much uncertainty and unknown and out of our control, that's one of the reasons why there's so much shame that follows. And then, you know, we're also insecure about what we're doing. And so then it's easy to receive or give judgment. And so then when you are on that receiving side of that judgment, then shame follows that, oh gosh, like, well, if my kid's acting this way, then I must be bad at this. That I must not be doing this right. And and I would say, you know, one of the biggest lies that I had to overcome that is connected to all of that is that just because something is hard doesn't make it wrong. And so when I would feel that shame and that guilt, like I'm not doing this right, or my kids aren't acting a certain way, or I don't seem to have it all together, and it's so hard for me, why is it so easy for her? Those kind of things— it was having to really wrestle with, I thought that easy equaled right and good and hard equaled wrong and bad. And so then therefore I was like, I'm just a bad mom because I'm not good at this. Like I can't make her do anything. Like none of this is working. 
you know, like I couldn't nurse well, I couldn't, you know, discipline well as the years went on. I couldn't potty train for heaven's sake, all of the things I just couldn't do. And I really had to start coming around to some things in life were just hard and that's okay. Like raising kids is just hard and figuring it all out is just hard. And just because, you know, some advice works for some kids and it doesn't work for yours doesn't make you a failure because there's just so much that's happening around us as moms that makes us feel like failures. And we have to really combat that and go, okay, just because it's working for them doesn't mean it's going to work for me. And that's okay. And where we are in our, like you use the word journey, where we are in our journey, that's okay. It's okay if we're two steps behind or two steps forward Wherever we are, we have to get to the place where we continue to find compassion towards ourselves and compassion towards others when we start to feel so vulnerable in what we're doing. I've never done anything as vulnerable as parenting because it just opens up all the wounds. It opens up all the insecurities. All those things are just left wide open. And we have to be able to find some compassion for ourselves and then compassion for the other mamas that are walking alongside us. So good. I learned more than ever before in having my second child how different my children were. And it humbled me incredibly because my first was, while difficult with sickness and all kinds of things, he wanted to learn a lot of things and he was really like receptive to discipline and and correction. And my second is the opposite, which it's second child problems. You always hear that, but we really have kind of seen the importance of taking things day by day because my second nursed completely differently than my first. My second learns completely differently than my first. And there's Saxon and Sutton. I don't like calling them one and two, <laughs> like thing one and thing two. <laughs> but Sutton was always sick. And I always thought, what am I doing wrong? What is it that I can't figure out? And these doctors can't figure out. And he was in for surgery for his ears. And it was just so much that I felt depleted and defeated every single day when I saw other kids who got to play all the time and my son was always sick. And so I'm checking his food and I'm checking all of these things. And then I have my I have Saxon who is never, ever, ever sick. And it was just a really good eye-opening moment for me. And I hope this maybe encourages moms who are in the thick of that season that it is a day-by-day process. It is a day-by-day process of figuring out this completely new human, who you are raising, who you are learning about, who's learning about this world. And like you said, Sarah, there is not one answer for any child because every family member, niece, nephew I'm around shows me how different everyone responds to different things. And so what works for you as a mama using your intuition, giving yourself grace and knowing that Jesus pours that grace out upon you is so, so important. But living that life and knowing like, I want to pour this out into my children. I want to lead by example in love and in grace means that we need to give that love and grace to ourselves. And so I want to talk, Sarah, about the concept of raising yourself that you bring up in A Mother's Guide to Raising Herself. What does this mean, the raising yourself concept, and what impact should this have on us? You know, for me, I think anyone who's been raising your kids, you start to realize how much growth is happening in yourself. And that's really what raising herself, that part of the book really is about, is that raising kids for me has been the 
greatest, the biggest catalyst of growth that I've ever experienced. Because it's the hardest thing that I've ever experienced. I've never been pushed so much or challenged so much and felt so insecure or vulnerable. And it was in those moments when I started realizing that I think it's more about, or I guess I should say, it's less about raising our kids and more about raising ourselves. That, you know, all these things that, you know, some of the things were just noticing what it was bringing out in me. So whether that was, oh, gosh, man, all of a sudden I'm super angry. What's going on? Why? I've never been never been angry before, but I've also never been pushed like this before. And getting curious about those things and going, gosh, I, want, I don't want that to be who I am. So let me do some work on that. Or there's things that I would want my girls to know, you know, Every day before my girls would get out of the car to go to elementary school, we would say, you are loved no matter what you do, say, or think. Because we wanted them to know that no matter what, as they grew older and maybe they thought differently than us or they held different beliefs than us or they made different choices than we would have made, we want them to always know that you're loved. Like Our love is not contingent on that. There's no prerequisite. You are loved no matter what. And as I would say that to my girls, I would start to go, well, do I think that? Like, do I believe that I am loved without prerequisites? Do I believe that I am loved fully because of who I am, not despite the shortcomings of who I am? And so those are the kind of things that as I was telling my girls these things, I go, oh, I really need to embrace that and do the work to believe that is true for myself. And so that's really what this whole idea is about is taking the hard and doing the work and becoming a better human and then looking at what you want for your kids and going, oh, I deserve that too. I deserve belonging and love and acceptance and all of those things that I want for my girls. I also want that for me too. And so doing the work that I need to do that I'm challenging them to do, I need to do that myself. How would you say that that is displayed to them when you are experiencing that, when you are kind of receiving that unconditional love and giving yourself grace, how do you think that they see that in you versus when you're doing the opposite? There's times where I have, you know, not shown up well. Like, you know, my oldest and I can get into knockdown dragouts and and I remember coming in one time and said, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have reacted that way. I didn't show up as my best self. I'm going to do better. And in those moments of going, we're still loved. And when she does the same and she doesn't act like her best self and we can come back together and go, I love you. Like that doesn't change. We can fight and that's okay, but the love doesn't change. Those kind of phrases, those kind of moments, or even learning to speak kindly to myself. I can be hypercritical of myself and my head. And one of the phrases that I teach my girls and myself is be kind to yourself. We all make mistakes. Mistakes aren't bad. Like they can, lessons learned, failures are lessons learned. We all, we're just human. You're going to make mistakes. And saying that over and over, and I remember I was cooking dinner and I messed it up. I burned something and I didn't even know my youngest was in the room. And I was like, oh, I just kind of was like getting frustrated. And she said, it's okay, mama, be kind to yourself. We all make mistakes. And it's that like we're presenting that as we are saying that to them when they're making mistakes, they're picking up where we're putting down, if you want to say, and they're going to be able to say that back to us when we are vulnerable enough to make mistakes in front of them. Did you know that The Wife Project from Roommates to Soulmates will have its final official launch on November 7th? There are so many of you who are already on the wait list, patiently anticipating the drop of this course, and you will be joining over 1,000 women from ages 20 to 65 
who have taken this course to strengthen their marriages. And a praise report, we have people from nearly every country in the world who have bought The Wife Project to improve their marriage for the glory of God. But if you don't know anything about The Wife Project, I'm so excited to share a little bit about it with you. So let me begin with a question. Have you forgotten what it is like to be best friends with your husband? Have you become more like roommates than soulmates? I think it's safe to say that there are very few people in the world who walk down the aisle to say I do while also having the thought, I hope I have a mediocre or failed marriage that ends in divorce. No, right? We naturally desire to have the best and healthiest marriages, a marriage full of happiness, spiritual growth, pleasurable intimacy, laughter, and faithfulness, the kind of marriage that thrives when God is at the center. But then life happens. We forget the promises we've made to God and one another because we're so caught up in the broken and worldly expectations of what we thought our marriage would be. We spend more time looking over the fence at someone else's grass than we do looking at our own and doing our best to water it and nurture it. And I totally understand that marriage can be difficult. You are two sinners coming together with different upbringings, different desires, and different personalities. Jesse and I have been through the ringer ourselves in different ways. And those things can cause conflict, confusion, and loneliness when it's not worked on by either person. Kelsey took the leap and invested in the Wife Project course, and this is what she had to say. Lindsay, my husband and I have been struggling for a little while now. There was nothing wrong with our marriage. It is just hard at times. Kids and work created stress on us, and we love each other, but constant miscommunication and trying to fix each other has left us both exhausted and ready to give up. I'd been praying for a reason to keep fighting for us and to keep working at this. We've tried Bible studies, marriage counseling, date nights, etc., and nothing seemed to work. The Wife Project showed me God's vision for our marriage. I realized that I need to stop trying to get my husband to fill a role he was never created to fill. I began to understand my role in all of this. I also learned that I can work on the things that I can control, my attitude, my heart, and my intentions, and that that has a huge impact on his responses toward me. Thank you for giving me the tools I needed to save my marriage. I truly believe that you are a gift from God to our family. Friends, the fact of the matter is that there are two people within a marriage, and it can sometimes be tempting to point our fingers at what our spouse is and is not doing. But the truth is that pointing fingers and telling them what they're doing wrong over and over again does not fix anything. You were never intended to play God or be the Holy Spirit in your husband's life. God has called you to be a love him wife, not a fix-him wife. So do you desire to run this race well, to fight hard through the mess and the muck while holding high the beautiful institution of marriage that God has woven into the fabric of creation? I have always been passionate, and if you listen to the Living Easy podcast, you know this, I've always been passionate about redefining what it means to truly fight for your marriage as a wife while challenging the false notion that the joy, the passion, and the pursuit of holiness in marriage will eventually just fizzle out. God has called us up toward holiness and commitment with the ultimate goal being to honor Him within our marriages. My heart behind The Wife Project is to challenge you to become more like Jesus in every area of your life, which then will flow deeply and widely into your relationship with your husband and break generational habits so that your children know what a healthy marriage actually looks like. Amy said this, I only just started following you a couple of weeks ago, Lindsay, and I'm so inspired by how relatable all the content is, but it always comes back to how I can focus on Christ, and that is the key to healing my marriage. 
One more thing to add, the Wife Project has helped my patience and kindness in parenting. It is helping my entire home and the assignments are actually work that I want to do. This is a beautiful gift that you've given. I can already feel my wheels turning, my heart closer to God and my whole being more gentle and tender to my partner. So good. Wives, it begins with you and not because your spouse always gives their best, but because Jesus has called you to be a good and godly wife to honor him. The Wife Project is an eight week, 10 and a half hour video course that you can work through in your own time and you have lifetime access to the course once it is purchased for only $197, which is less than two marriage counseling sessions. I also offer payment plans to help you guys out. This means you won't run out of time and you can watch it for the rest of your life. It also comes with a 70 plus page wife project journal with actionable marriage challenges, memorization verses, and journaling questions to help you implement what you're learning right away. So click the link in my show notes on my Instagram link or on my website, sparrowsandlily.com to be added to the waitlist and to learn more about the wife project. Don't miss the last official launch. We will see you there on November 7th, 2021. Love you guys. I just want to take a quick second to thank Weem Vitamin Gummies for supporting the Living Easy podcast. This past year, I have been so much more intentional about caring for my body, though I have gone through highs and lows. But for once, it isn't about how I look, but how I live. I want to be around for a long time with my boys. I want to run at the park, kick the soccer ball, ride bikes around the block, and wrestle with them on the floor. I do not want to feel lethargic or sluggish or uncomfortable in my own skin while I'm raising my two very energetic children. So for me, this means eating a cleaner diet with healthy foods, getting myself to the gym or working out at home and getting my vitamins. So today's episode is supported by Weem Gummies, vitamins that I personally love and take every single morning. They are sitting right next to me in my office. I take the Immune Boost Gummy because it's 2021 and who does not need some immunity strength right now. And this gummy has vitamin C, B, D, E, folic acid, elderberry, and zinc to keep your immune system strong. I have now also replaced the apple cider vinegar shot that I took every single day with my Weem apple cider vinegar gummy because it also includes apples, beetroots, and pomegranates, which each contain different vitamins and a range of other nutrients that can help maintain a healthy heart, cholesterol levels, and enable a clean digestive system. Apple cider vinegar's functional therapeutic properties include blood pressure reduction, antibacterial activity, prevention of cardiovascular illnesses, and reduced effects of diabetes. Weem gummies are vegan-friendly, non-GMO, gluten-free, low-calorie, and you can find them on weem.com, W-E-E-M.com, and use my code LIVEEASY for 10% off your purchase. Now let's get back to today's episode. I've shared many, many times on this podcast, and I never will stop, how impactful it was for me when a family member of mine, an adult, came and repented to me of their actions when I was a teenager. And it was the first time someone had really apologized to me, like looked me in the eyes without a justification or a but or an if, you know. It was just, I was wrong and I provoked you to anger. Please forgive me. And any other time that you feel like I have wronged you or I've sinned against you, please come to me and I will make it right. I will reconcile it. And it has led me in such a powerful way to respond to that and to see how impactful it was for me and to do the same for my boys. 
And this topic just as a whole, Sarah, just so you know, like it's so, just the timing is very spirit led for me because my husband and I are walking through, my boys are three and six and we're walking through a lot of transitional. We just moved across the country and a lot of transitional seasons and experiences, but we're really kind of stepping back and evaluating our parenthood. We're really looking at, okay, just because this is the way we've done it up until now does not mean one, that it's the right way or two, that this is the way that we have to continue doing it. We want to do what honors the Lord. We want to do what blesses our children. And like I said before, one receives correction completely different than the other one. And so we don't have to do it equally, but it's been a a moment (laughs) or a time of real humbling for us because we just realize like we've been doing this maybe not the best way. We are creating an environment in our home that is tense and that is very rule driven and that is very, I don't even know the word. This is just me being honest. It's just become a place of like, I feel like I'm in the military and I'm running my kids through the military And I don't want that. I don't want that home. I want a home filled with grace and compassion, like you said. And I do want structure and I want them to be respectful and kind, but I also really want them to be kids. And so we're like teaching ourselves new ways to implement fun in our home and we're teaching ourselves new ways to correct rather than immediately reacting instead of responding. And so these are areas that we've just seen great imperfection in our own lives. And it's been very freeing though, to give, like you're speaking of, to give myself that grace and to say, God is not holding me to a standard that I cannot achieve. God sees me as a sinner broken and depraved, but saved by grace. And He wants to restore me just as I want to raise my children up. And He's doing that pruning process as I'm raising my children. I am being sanctified just as they are and willing to admit that I have not gotten it right is so freeing. And just to see my boys unconditional love is a reminder of God's unconditional love for me, for them to say, yeah, mom, that wasn't really nice, (laughs) you know, (laughs) or you could have said that better, but I love you and I forgive you. And then they move along, you know, whereas I hold myself to this deep, deep and very high standard. I love that you were so honest about that because I don't think, I mean, that's exactly us too. Our girls were about that age when we started just really making some changes. And you do the best that you can with the knowledge that you have. And when we all become parents, you kind of look at the way that you were raised or you look at the environments that you're in and what everybody's talking about. And you're like, well, I guess this is what we do. And it really takes some time to kind of figure out who you guys are and what works best. And I think I just forgot I was raising humans. Like I was raising little people and, you know, how do I like to be treated? How do I like to be responding? Like when I've done something wrong, do I respond well when someone's really critical, when someone yells at me, when someone is really strict about it? No, I've never, my whole life, I've never responded that way. And so I had to go, well, why do I treat my children like that? Why do I think that, but it's just because I thought, well, I'm the authority. I was told I'm supposed to be this authority and really had to just really get to the point of getting curious about what we were doing, why we were doing it, what feels right, what feels off. I feel like it was, you know, I think about what Brene Brown says is that I'm not here to be right. I'm here to get it right. And so I just really carried this, like, there's this right way to do this. And when we kind of open our hands, it's scary because it feels a little bit 
less certain. It feels a little bit wobbly at times, but when we treat each other the way that we would want to be treated and we can still set boundaries, it doesn't mean we don't set boundaries or have, you know, precautions and rules in place. It just means that we try to approach each other the way that we would want to be approached if the tables were turned. And one thing that I, as you mentioned, like raising little humans, one way that I have seen my shift in my perspective is realizing I am not raising another version of myself. And I think this can be a really big challenge for parents because you just assume that they're going to be at least a little bit like you, you know, and you want them to have certain traits and characteristics. And then that is how a lot of unhealthy relationships are built upon kind of living vicariously through our children, which is so damaging. Instead of allowing them to be their own human being, they're having their own character, their own likes and dislikes and giving them that freedom. And that's another kind of process as our boys are realizing who they are and kind of growing into themselves a little bit more and and acquiring that, like the personality characteristics that we know will be long-term fostering that and nurturing that and learning and using the resources that we have, like your book and so many other books or sermons out there that give us the wisdom on how to lovingly nurture our children while also creating a strong family culture and strong family values within our home that honors them and honors the Lord. But I'm curious how you handle and handled as they grew up the opinions of other people, whether it be friends or neighbors or family members who would raise their children much differently than you and are vocal about that. I know that in-laws can be a common discussion amongst the women in my community, even personal family members, you know, who I guess parented much differently than I parent and have opinions. How do you navigate through those opinions and not allow that pressure to be placed on your parenting? It is not easy. You know, for me, in my early years of parenting, I did not handle that well at all. I felt like I just was a tree swaying in the wind with every opinion, with every, you know, because I was so afraid of disappointing people and so afraid of getting it wrong and being judged or like my kids' behavior reflecting on me. And I did not do that well at all. I feel like, and, and I don't know, I, I wish that there was a way to, I don't know if I could have done this earlier. If, you know, sometimes you go, I feel like you have to walk through a whole lot to, to get the lesson learned. But the beauty of midlife for me and my girls getting to, you know, their middle years, I just got tired. And I got tired of having to keep up with everybody and whatever everybody else was saying to do, it just got really exhausting. And so I start, that's when I really started digging in and doing a lot of work on how we were raising our kids. You know, we had transitioned and how we talked about certain things or how we corrected or what we were okay with our girls doing or listening to or seeing or whatever it is. And maybe that's different than other people. And the more I became just kind of confident in what we were doing and confident in who I am and my husband and I together, who we are and what we're doing, the more confident I became on the outside with others. Because it is true. I mean, even when, you know, we just recently moved back to my hometown. And when you've been gone for so long, people tend to think that you are the person you were when you left. So whether that was the 16-year-old Sarah or the 21-year-old Sarah, or when we lived here for a short stint when my girls were babies, you know, like, and 
and I've evolved and I've changed and I'm more confident now where if someone were to ask me something to not sway in the wind and to be confident in, in how we're handling something. And I would just encourage that moment. It takes a lot of courage. It takes more courage than we think that it takes. I don't think any of us would put courage on that, but it does. It takes courage to be who you are and to raise your kids the way that you want to raise your kids, especially if it's different than someone's opinion that means something to you. It's taken a lot of work. It goes back to, I mentioned that Brene quote. She said that in one of her podcast episodes on Unlocking Us back in 2020. And it was about kind of this idea of conflict, that there's a way for us to be able to deal with the people around us who maybe have a different opinion about how we're raising our kids, especially if it's family members going, well, you weren't raised that way, or I didn't raise you know, your husband that way, or whatever it might be, to always have that posture towards, I'm here to get it right, not be right. And to approach, so I've learned to approach these hard conversations with a lot of generosity and how I'm viewing them and using phrases like, tell me more. Well, tell me more. Why do you think, you know, what what makes you think that this is something I should be concerned about? Like, just I'm curious. Like, I use these kind of phrases because it, when I use those kind of phrases, it helps me stay in the right perspective and not get aggressive. <laughs> not yes. want to be like, okay, I'm, yeah, I'm going to take my <laughs> earrings out and we're going to fight. Like, it helps me to just be a little bit softer in that approach. And it helps me to not take it so personal. Yes, there's times where people say things and we're going to take it personally. But I think approaching it, those kind of conversations with that posture has really helped me to allow people to be, because again, we're just in a culture where you have to pick a team. You have to be this or that, this side or that side. And the truth is we're all different and it's okay. We all need to be in relationship with different people and different thought and viewpoints And so we have to just remember that. So even if that person is in our family, it's okay that we think differently. And it's going to be okay. Truthfully, the bottom line is fear. Everybody's just afraid. You know, your mother-in-law is afraid that your child's going to end up in jail or something. You know what I mean? Like we get just carry so much fear in parenting. And we have to be able to see the fear in others and recognize that that's where it's coming from. And then see the fear in ourselves and realize we don't need to make decisions based out of fear. Fear is okay. Fear can sometimes protect us from bad things that could happen, but it just needs to not drive the car. Like it just doesn't need to make all of our decisions. It has a place, but it's not in the front seat. One thing that I feel like I have learned in that area and kind of flows into everything else in my life, but is that just because someone shares their opinion and I listen to their opinion does not mean I have to receive and accept their opinion because I think that there's this tendency, especially in myself, who somebody, I am someone who can go zero to 100, especially when it comes to my parenting and I'm learning to tone it down a little bit, but is to realize, you know, just because this person shares how they think you should be doing something does not necessarily mean that you're immediately accepting it and that you then have to defend yourself and you have to go full force into explaining yourself away, you know, but to say, thank you for your opinion, you know, and to be able to move along. And some people won't let you move along in that way, but I think that it helps for you to say like, okay, I have heard that. And if there's any good in that, if there is anything I can receive, I want to be humble enough to receive that piece of advice. For me, I'm like, I'm constantly picking the brains of other moms who've gone before me. I want to know more. I don't want to sit in my pride and say, I have to have this all together. I have to prove myself. 
because there's no growth in that. So I want to be humble enough to say, I will receive the good if there is good. And if not, then you toss the rest away and that's okay. Not every, I mean, nobody's going to parent in the exact same way. So I really appreciate your insight on that. So I would love to hear if you wouldn't mind sharing kind of in closing the three main takeaways that you hope your audience, our audience will gain from reading A Mother's Guide to Raising Herself. I think the first thing is that you're not alone. I think that's the thing I keep hearing from people who have read the book and they go, oh, like it's not just me. I'm not the only one thinking this or felt this, like you're putting words to my thoughts that you are not the only one who struggles or who doesn't feel like you have it together or who maybe doesn't like mothering all the time. Like you're not alone. Like it's okay. And so that's what the first thing that comes to mind. The second word that comes to mind is just permission. You have so much permission. Like what is it that you need? You have permission to ask for what you need to figure out who you are, to all these things. I feel like the permission is the biggest word to navigate parenting. If you want to send your child to this kind of school, you have permission to do that. Like this is this is your life and your family's lives, and you have permission to do what is best for your family. And then I think the last one is just, just a sense of freedom. That's the other word that I feel like the more that I began to accept myself the more I began to not associate my sense of worthiness on my children's behavior or how well they're turning out or if they're doing all the right things that everyone else is doing, the more I just kind of let go of a lot of that, the more freedom that followed. A lot of deep breaths followed in that and the more confident I became and just, this is who I am. And it's okay if we don't agree on all the things. It's okay if, you know, you don't like me. That's a hard one for me. I still am working on that one. But I want everybody to like me. Me too. (laughs) But there's a lot of freedom that follows when you just are starting to let go and open your hands a little bit more. And the more I let go of all the control that I wanted to hold, I really do feel like freedom followed. It feels like you would have less freedom because you might feel wobbly because you're like, hands wide open, but it really did feel more free to me to be, because I felt like I was more generous with myself and more generous with others. And that was a, a freeing feeling. So I feel like those might be the three things. Thank you. Do you have any words of encouragement for the burnt out, regretful, guilt-ridden, you name it, mama? Mm. Well, it's never too late. That's one of the things that when you were sharing you know, the hard part of where you are in your parenting, it's never too late. And I have to keep reminding myself of that, like where you're going, gosh, well, they're four and six. Are we too late of like shifting how we're doing things? You're not too late. You know, my girls are 11 and 13. It's not too late to shift how we do things or to course correct. And so I would say that. And then the last thing is just, I feel like this is what I just keep telling mamas all the time is that showing up is enough. Like your presence, like You know, you didn't get everything done that you thought you could get done today. Instead of feeling guilty about that, like, hey, showing up is enough. There was a day last week I was so exhausted. I was so spent. And we all had Pop-Tarts for dinner. I couldn't tell you the last time I had a Pop-Tart. It was probably 30 years (laughs) prior. actually. (laughs) Right. But I was like, you know what? Like, it is okay. There was zero vegetables consumed, zero anything of health. But 
tonight, Pop-Tarts were enough. And I think that we have to begin to give ourselves a whole lot of grace and go, my presence is what matters. I'm here. And you know what? Even if I was like grumpy or even if I just needed a lot of time by myself and I didn't really talk much to my kids today, I get to show up tomorrow. And the fact that I'm showing up the next day, that is winning. And so showing up is enough. I love that. Thank you so much, Sarah. So I know that our listeners are going to be interested in finding you. So can you tell us where we can find you on social media and where we can find your book? Yes. Well, social media on Instagram is Sarah W. Bragg. My website is sarahbragg.com and I send out a monthly newsletter where I I call it my survival kit. So all the things that I read or watched, listened to, or loved that month, I pack it in there and send it out um, of all the things. And then, of course, I have a podcast called Surviving Sarah, which is much like your show where you're having conversations that just feel like you're sitting down with a friend. And I honestly, I feel like it's free therapy. I know you probably feel the same way. Like, tell me what I need to, like, I'm working, I need help on this. Who can I talk to about that? (laughs) That's really the essence of the show. And then you can buy My Mother's Guide to Raising Herself just anywhere you want to buy a book from. Well, thank you, Sarah. I so appreciate your wisdom. I really enjoyed talking with you. It was, I always say that, I love that you said that, the therapy, because it feels that way. It feels oftentimes, and of course, because we're talking about pertinent relationships, but it feels so freeing to have these conversations, especially for me with women who have gone before me and have experienced so much of it. And so I'm very, very excited to dig in more into your book. And if you guys enjoyed this episode, if you're listening and you felt encouraged or you felt challenged, please do share it with a friend or family member. You can tag us on Instagram at Sarah W. Bragg and at Living Easy with Lindsay. Let us know what you took away from the show, from the episode and conversation. And we just, we love you guys so much. We thank you for being here. We thank you for showing up and just want to encourage you, whether you're in the thick of the season of motherhood or of young children or thick in the season of teenagers, that God goes before you, that you have the hope and you have community and resources for people who have have walked through this and want to encourage you. So don't allow yourself, I guess, to walk through it alone. We love you guys and we will talk to you next Monday. Bye. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a second to share the love. The simple act of taking a screenshot of this episode and tagging the Living Easy podcast makes such a huge difference in my little podcasting world. If you were blessed, challenged, or impacted by this conversation, someone else you know might be too. So please feel free to share a little hope and joy with the people that you love. If you haven't already, please take 30 seconds to scroll down from this episode or the podcast homepage on iTunes to give a quick rating and review. This makes a huge difference and helps in getting great guests for future interviews. Don't forget to follow along with me on Instagram for encouragement, devotionals, and practical advice on all the life and faith stuff. Love you guys.